All right, Father God, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we want you to speak to us this morning. So have your way. Have your way in this place this morning. Um, we just release you to do what you want to do in this place. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. So to, today I want to start with something that I think we all have in common and then move to something that uh, hopefully we, we all have in common. But here's something that we all have in common. First thing on your notes, if you got your bulletins and you're feeling you're the note-taking type, we all want to be known for something. We all want to be known for something. So you may have given this no thought. You may think about this too much. But the, but the truth is, all of us want to be known for something. In other words, when you come to mind, when you think about yourself, you have some adjectives in mind. And in other words, if, if somebody were to stop you and to say, what do you want people to think about when they think about you? What comes out? Whether you've given a lot of thought or not, something comes to mind. Uh, because we all have these adjectives in mind when we come to mind. And they determine a lot of things about us. So these adjectives determine what goes on in our social, goes on to our social media, right? They determine what we say about ourselves, what we hide from other people, what we put out in front, um, what we listen for, what hurts our feelings, and the list goes on. And it certainly impacts what goes on our Instagram feed, right? Uh, so here's the question, and this is what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? What is it that you want to be known for? So in the spirit of transparency, what I thought I would do is I'd start with me and tell you just some things I thought about, was it, and then we'll start, you know, right here with you, Pastor Brent, and then we'll just go down the line, and we'll just, uh, <laughs> we're not going to do that. But um, we're, we're, we're not going to do that, obviously, but I want to tell you what I, what I want to be known for, because it kind of sets this thing up for where we're going to go today, and not, this, not that this is all about me, it's not, but if, if I'm going to share this, I would, you know, um, uh, rather... Let's keep this in the room, okay? I, I was thinking about this, you know, if I'm going to ask a question and I, I need to answer. And I thought, you know, what do I want to be known for? And this isn't particularly in, in order of uh, importance. Um, and this probably isn't a surprise to too many, but I, I want to be known as a creative. I, I, I love the creative process. I, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star, of course, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, as someone, I want to be known as someone, you know, who uses the gifts that, that God's given me in a creative way. I, I love the creative process. Um, so probably more than anything in life, you know, I, I, you know, I want to be known, you know, as a creative person. And then, you know, another one for me that's way up there, uh, like many of us, I want to be liked. I want people to like me. Um, you know, as an introvert at heart, and I know there's more of us in the room, uh, you know, for most of us, it's not that we don't like people. That's a common misperception, a misconception. But, um, you know, we simply need some alone time to recharge after being around a lot of people, right? And so, you know, that doesn't negate the fact that for most of us, we want to be liked. And, you know, there's, there's other things. You know, I was, I was, I was scarred a little bit in, in middle school, junior high, by a couple bullies, one in, one in particular that just liked to single me out and pick on me, and I mean just literally, you know, just really unfortunate stuff. And um, so I, I've, I've mentioned before, I've had this struggle with the fear of man, and I had to work through that and grow through that in my life. So I have this thing in me, I, I just want to be liked. And then, of course, way up there, I want to be known as a great husband, I want to be known as a, a great father, and I think a lot about that. 
um, and a lot of you would feel the same way. And I can go on, but those are just two or three things that I thought of when I asked the question, what do I, what do I want to be known for? But what about you? What about you? If, if you had to turn to somebody that you know, or maybe even a stranger, if you think about what do you spend your time thinking about, or you know, what you'd spend your time protecting, or pretending, or hiding, or covering, and kind of putting out there, it's an important question. What do we want to be known for? And, and then we're going to take a little bit deeper as we move forward. You know, what do you do when you don't measure up to what you want to be known for? And so here's what I, here's what I want to be known for, and here's, here's how I want to protect myself. Here's the adjectives I want to come up with, you know, in people's minds when they think about me. But, you know, what do you do when it doesn't measure up to, you know, the, your answer to that question? And specifically, what do you do when you don't measure up to you? What do we do? We pretend. And we, we excuse sometimes. Sometimes we mislead even. You know, we put on a face, we, we put on a mask, and we begin to, we can't help it, we begin to manage our image. But the problem with managing our image is it makes us imaginary. <laughs> when we manage who we are, and we're managing that image, and we project something else and who we really are, it makes us an imaginary. So think about that. When you begin to manage your image, when you are something on the inside and you're projecting something else, you know, on the outside, you become, without meaning to, you become an imaginary person. And it's impossible, try as you might, try as I might, it's impossible then to be genuine. It's impossible to have genuine friendships. It's even impossible to have genuine intimacy in an important relationship or a marriage if, if we're not genuine, right? And so you can't have genuine relationships if you aren't genuine. You can't be genuine as long as you're trying to manage an image. And as long as there is this giant gap between what you hope people think about you and what I hope people think about me and what they actually think about me, you know, and, and the, the bad news is it gets a little bit worse here because the moment we start pretending, we stop growing. The moment we start pretending, we stop growing. We get older, but we don't get deeper. We don't get uh, finer. Have you ever, you ever met people? You have, I already know the answer. Uh, you've met people or you know people, and if you were to describe them, and if you were to give them an adjective, you would just say the best description of her the best description of him is he's just a fine person. She's just a fine person. You know, well, you don't get finer when you're pretending. You actually, what you do is you get stuck. And so now I, I want, I, I know all about this because pastors, just to speak on behalf, behalf of pastors in the room, um, we can be the worst when it comes to this. Because I, I know all about this, and the, the reason is because, it, you know, okay, for instance, if you're a parent, or if you're an older brother or a sister, you know, you can appreciate this too. You know how as an older brother or a sister, I'm assuming most of you, you want your younger brother or sister to think the best of you, right? And so you sort of put your best forward, and if you're a parent, you might do this too. You don't want to lose your moral authority, you know, with the kids, and so you're always on around the kids, or at least maybe you probably should be. <laughs> 
because you don't want your kids to lose respect for you. Well, when you do what you do as a pastor, you know, and everybody's watching, it's, there's a spotlight and it's like everywhere I go, I just want to be so careful not to offend, right? And, and cause somebody to stumble. And, and so for me or for people who do, um, you know, pastor or ministerial work, and maybe this is just a counseling on stage with a microphone this morning. <laughs> Thank you for being my counselors. But to the degree that my marriage or, or, or even to the degree that my faith veers from what I present it to be, to you and to the people around me and to the degree that there's any gap between how I present myself or even what I speak about to the degree that there's a gap, I feel the pressure to pretend. And if many of you are honest, you would prefer that I pretend. <laughs> you know, you want me to be what you hope I am. You know, so in, in other words, what you don't want is you don't want me to get up and say, hey, today we're getting a, a brand new series on self-control. And before we jump in the series, I just want to thank the elders for picking me up last night because, oh boy, it was a rough one. And I was out late and <laughs> had a little bit too much to drink. And <laughs> you don't want to hear that, right? <laughs> it didn't happen, uh, just to be clear. Um, you know, just to be clear. Um, there's going to be a clip on the television later. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. It's like, that's too much information. Keep it to yourself. Get a counselor. Right? <laughs> you know, I, I want to live with the illusion that you are what you pretend to be. And so now in case you're wondering, I don't live my life like that, but, 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 but do you see that there's pressure that people on platforms get sometimes? And, and, but you, you, have, you have the same pressures. You have the same pressures in, 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 in some capacities, right? You have that. You know, imagine this. Imagine I get up and say, I get up and say, now today we're getting a, a brand new series, you know, making the most of your marriage. And uh, we're, we're, we're jumping into that day. And before we begin, I just want to thank my, my sweet wife, Deanna. She said last night that she's going to give me one more chance. You know, and then I, you know, so, you know, there's, there's kind of a thing. You don't want to hear that, right? And so we all live with that kind of pressure. You guys have that too. You have it at home. You have it at work. We have it everywhere. So the truth is, the truth is, most of us have gaps. Most of us have gaps. And there, there are gaps between what the adjectives that we want to be used about us are and the adjectives we use about ourselves and what I want to be, and what I want people to think I am, and what I really am, because nobody knows you better than you. And between what or who you want to be known for, and what and who we actually are known for, there are some discrepancies, there's some gaps. So what do we do? We pretend to some level. A lot of us, a lot of us pretend. We hide to some extent. We cover. Now, I'm going to just jab at us a little bit more, okay? Is that all right? And we're going to, we're going to talk about you for a little bit instead of me. <laughs> Where do we pretend the best? At church. Right here. At church. <coughs> Look at you. You're all in your Sunday best. <laughs> you're, on, you're on your best behavior, I hope. You know, every, every couple looks happy, you're smiling, even, you know, even if you're not holding hands. All of you appear to have perfect kids. <laughs> you're like, you're walking the door, you said, we're not sitting this morning, it's Sunday. <laughs> 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 
Sure, you know, I, I, and I'm, I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm saying that's, it's, it's what we do. And you, you may have screamed your lungs out in the minivan on the way, right? We talk about this. But when you get out of the minivan, you put a smile on your face and you warn the kids, you're not even going to speak until we get back into the van. <laughs> we are all on our best behavior at church. There's no sinning <laughs> on Sundays. Between 8.30 and noon, there's no sinning, all right? And so, and the reason that we pretend anywhere, but maybe particularly the reason we pretend at church is if people knew what we were really like, maybe they wouldn't like us. And if people knew what I was really like, you know, and so here's the jumping off point for the next few minutes. If people don't know what you're really like, then they really don't like you anyway. If people don't know what you're really like, so they just like the image, they just like the Instagram, they like the social media you, they like the adjectives, they like the Sunday morning you, they like the adjectives that you've convinced them are true of you, and if people don't know what you're really like, they don't really like you. Every single one of us feels the pressure, I feel the pressure to become kind of a pretendaholic. And until we embrace that this is true for all of us, until we embrace who and where we really are, we can't get to where we need to be. Until we face up and until we embrace and in, you know, who we really are and, and where you really are, you can't get to where you want to be and we can't get to where we need to be. So it's true. We want to be known for something, but what we really need is to be known by some someones. Come on, we've been leaning into this. Let's lean into it some more. If we want to be known for something, what we really need is to be known by some someones. We all, maybe even beginning with me, Certainly including me, I'll say that. We all need relationships where we can drop the pretense. We all need relationships where we can kind of drop all the manufactured cool. And be courageous, and, 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 or maybe the fake courageous, the fake confidence, the I've got it all together facade that we put on and everything everything's organized all the time my my life is just I'm doing fine we need a place where we can drop all of that without fear of being judged and without fear of being rejected and here's the proof of what I'm saying when you find that environment when you find that group of people you're attracted to them whether they are healthy or not when you find an environment where you can drop all the pretense and where you can truly just kind of let your hair down, whether it's healthy or not, what, what happens with gangs, right? We had, a, we had a, a, a foster daughter who was involved in gang activity before she came with us and she took off in the middle of the night, actually took our car, <laughs> took off in the middle of the night to go and be with the people who accepted her for who she really was, right? You know, these people are real. These people love me. And in fact, I've met people, maybe you have too, who won't step foot 
inside of a church because they've never met real people in them. But there's, there's some other environments where they'd say, these people are for real. When I go to church, they look like it, they have it all together. And, you know, and when I'm with this group, when I'm at this place, they're, they are for real. And maybe they are for real, but maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe those people were the first people that you were real with. And when you were real with them, you got known. And when you got known, it felt good. And maybe for the first time or one of the first times in your life, you felt like somebody really liked you. And they really liked you because they really knew you because you allowed yourself to be known. But when you find an environment and when you find a circle of people, when you find a group of people and you can truly be who you truly are, and yet you feel like they have your best interest in mind, that is a powerful, powerful powerful thing. In fact, you were made, you were created for that. Now, here's the part of the message you won't believe, and maybe I have to spend a few minutes trying to convince you, but the place where this is supposed to happen, believe it or not, the place where we're to be known the most, the place where we should have the most freedom to be transparent, and at the same time committed to becoming everything that we want to be, what is it? Church. Right here. Right here. The church. Not necessarily big church, but face-to-face church. Now, that may not have been your experience. You know, in fact, as, 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 as we're going to see in the next few minutes, there's a tension around this whole idea. But if you had a bad idea of church, you know, you need to know that at the essence of you know what we call church is this is this very thing that we've been talking about for three weeks now the church is to be the primary environment where that kind of knownness can happen and here's why i say that in the very first church in the first century the very first pastor of the first church which is one of jesus very own brothers james said this about the church check this out he said church here's what we're supposed to do James 5, I want you to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay? So what we're going to do again in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand and you're going to go to the person next to you and you say, this is my deepest, worst sin and we'll go go down the line and we'll see how that goes. Okay? Everybody in? All right. So, and then, you know, you might want to be the one that goes second, just just for, just letting you know. But, so we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. In fact, when you read a verse like this, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. You're thinking, okay, you know, I'm not going to confess my sins to everybody in this room. I'm, I'm going to confess my sins to God. And, you know, to keep it between me and God, this is a personal, I don't want anybody to know what I'm up to. Which is the same thing as saying, I don't want anybody to know me. I don't want to be known. I don't want anybody to know what's inside of me. I don't, I don't even know what's wrong with my marriage. You know, I don't know what's wrong with my friendships. I don't know why I'm so lonely, but I also know that I don't want anybody to know me in that way. And so we have in this internal discussion, and James says, let me tell you what the church is for. The church is for this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other and pray for each other based on what you know about each other so that 
you may be healed. There is an extraordinary power in being known. There is something that happens on the inside that can't happen on the inside until you're willing to do something on the outside. But let me just be honest with you and kind of take a little pressure off. We're not going to do that in here. In fact, we can't do that in here. That would just be a little bit weird in here, right? That's kind of the whole point. In fact, we've been saying this in rows. It's actually impossible to do some of the most important stuff that maybe the most important stuff that the church is designed to do. Another pastor wrote this first century from the message we shared last week. And they said, let us consider how we may spur each other on towards love and good deeds. How may we encourage each other? In other words, hey, as Christians... We are supposed to be all about loving people and we're supposed to be all about doing good deeds and doing good for other people. And he said, so I want you to figure out how to spur one another on and encourage each other. So this is not, you know, somebody stand up on the stage and, you know, blurt out a bunch of words, talk to a whole bunch of people about how to spur, you know, a whole bunch of people on. No, this is a one another thing. It's that list of one another's that Paul gave us. I want you to be in one another's lives to such an extent that you figure out how to spur each other on or go or urge, some of the original language there, encourage other people on to living lives characterized by love and lives characterized by good deeds. This is a one another thing, a face-to-face -face thing. And he goes on and he says, not giving up, you know, meeting together. He says, you got to get together. This is, this is not a solo thing. This is not a Lone Ranger thing. This isn't a, hey, me and God are cool. I don't need anybody else thing. He goes, no, if that's how you think, you don't understand this. This is what church is. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Now, again, if I said in just a few minutes, we're all going to stand up and I want you to find someone that you don't know and I want you to goad them. I want you to urge them on to love and good deeds. In this room, can I say it? It would be a little bit superficial for a lot of us because, you know, like I go up to somebody that, that's in a row that I maybe haven't met yet. And I said, well, you know, hey, dude, let's go love somebody, you know, go, go to uh, what's your name again? You can't do that in here. You know, here, here we are, and we can't, as a Sunday morning crowd, do what the first church leaders told us to do. We can't do it in rows. So Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul, he was an expert in this. He planted more churches than anybody else in the first century. In fact, he planted more churches than most pastors ever plant. He was the original church planner master, okay? And he was kind of like the original pastor. Here's, here's what he says the local church is supposed to look like, feel like, and act like. Galatians 6. He says, brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, <laughs> so in just a few minutes, you know, if you know anyone who has sinned, there we go again, right? We're not going to do that here this morning, right? We're not going to do that in this space. So he says, if you know anyone that's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, that's those of you that have you know, submitted to living by the lead of the Holy Spirit, 
you should restore that person gently. So that is, if you take this literally, you know, you're going to go out and catch people. You know, you're going to go out. That's the word he uses. Catch people sinning. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> right? <laughs> I caught you. And now I'm going to restore you. And, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's none of my business. I don't even know her name. And, you know, I don't even know his name. And I hope they get it worked out. But I'm not just going to walk up to somebody and say, oh, I caught you. Now I'm going to restore you. And yet Paul says this is what's to characterize the local church. Then he says this, Paul, the same person says, carry, I love this, carry each other's burdens, carry, carry each other's burdens. Well, if I'm going to carry your burden, I've got to know what that burden is. If you're going to carry my burden, you've got to know what my burden is. And can I say, I don't know if we're going to figure it out if, if we're just sitting in rows. You're never going to know my burden in here, except if I told you one of my burdens. And it might be a little awkward in this space. It just doesn't naturally happen. But look how he finishes this. This is so important. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, carrying each other's burdens, that's what this way refers back to. In this way, carrying each other's burdens, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And let me tell you what the law of Christ is. The law of Christ, Jesus, when he left right before he was crucified, he said, okay, there were 600 you know, plus commandments. Then I boiled it down to two. Now I'm just going to boil it down to one. The, the, the law of Christ. The law of Christ is this. Love other people the way that God, through Christ, has loved you. It's the law of Christ. When in doubt, when you wonder what the Bible means, when you wonder what the Bible says, when you wonder what you're supposed to do, if you're a Christian, it comes down to that. I am to love others the way that God, through Jesus, loved me. And he says you're to carry each other's burdens. And when you do, you fulfill that one thing. You fulfill the law of Jesus, of Christ. But I can't carry everyone's burdens exactly exactly I can't either I can't either and the only way to carry anybody's burdens is to know what in anybody's burden is and then he says this another one another one another <laughs> accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Now, do you know why God accepted you just the way that you were, the way that you are? So he could transform you into who he wants you to be. Can I get an amen? amen. The reason God accepted you, and this is great news, this is the great news about being a believer, and if you're outside of the faith, or if you used to be a Christian, this is so important, the reason that God accepted you the way you are is not to leave you the way that you are. Good parents don't do that, 
right? You love and accept your kids, but you want them to grow and you want them to mature. The reason God accepted you just the way you are is that he can transform you into who he wants you to be, who he created you to be, who he purposed you to be. And do you know where you will experience best God's unconditional, transformational acceptance? It's with folks who are committed to and who are open to his transformational, unconditional acceptance. It's with the one another's. Hear me. The way that you are transformed is by being around people who are being transformed. And being around people who are being transformed to the level that you understand what God is doing on the inside of them. And once again, that's not going to happen naturally when we're sitting in rows. And so, you know, and I love in here. I love our time in rows on Sunday morning. I love it here. Most of my week revolves around planning for and praying for what happens in here. And I love it. And it's in here is awesome. And we have a, a God experience every week that's so important. This is important. We gather and, you know, God does amazing things in our lives. We worship together. But in here, we can't actually do what the church is most designed and best equipped to do. And that's why I need and that's why you need and that's why we all need a therapist. No. <laughs> Maybe we do. But no. It's why you need and why I need a circle. We need some people that we're sitting around face to face with because it's in a circle. It's in a, it's in a group. It's with a handful of people who are one anothering one another. That's where the action is. That's where the essence of a Jesus church is. That's where church happens. That's where one-on-one, -on -one, life on life, transformation happens. That's where you carry one another's burdens. That's where you accept one another. That's where you're accepted. That's where you're able to be honest. That's where you're able to confess your sins. And realize that they're not going to kick you out of the group when you do. In fact, they're going to pray for you. And maybe somebody else in the group is going to say, you know what? Me too. I'm struggling with that too. And somebody else is going to say me too. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize I'm not alone. That you're not the only one struggling. That, you know, I'm not the only guy struggling. I'm not the only woman who feels like I'm never going to meet anybody. And all of a sudden, you know, you realize that there are more people like me dealing with what I'm dealing with. And at the same time, we don't want to be left where we are. We want to become everything that God wants us to be. And the New Testament says it over and over and over and over that this kind of transformation happens in life on life. And that's why we're committing to this effort of circles. And in fact, I'll even say, you know, I would rather have a real church than a big church. But you know what? I think that when the church gets real, when the church gets face to face, what's naturally going to happen is that there's going to be growth that happens as a result of that. People may never step foot for the first time inside of a church, but they might come to your circle. 
I've seen it so many times. This last year when we were at Pine Valley and we kind of pushed this effort and, and did it, we saw so many people start coming to the church because of relationships that were first established in a face-to-face circle. So it's not about getting big, but that's some of the fruit that comes from it. So acceptance with a view to improvement. (laughs) That's what the church is all about. And you know why? Because that's what Jesus is all about. You know why? Because that's the gospel. The gospel is for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Not just to leave you a note and get out of town, but to move into your life into such a way that he transforms you from the inside out. And the way he does that is through the body. It's through the church. It's through other people who are sharing the same journey and on the same journey, acceptance with a view to improvement. And the place that happens is in a circle where somebody knows your name and they know your burden so they can help carry it. So it's a place where people are able to be who they really are so that they're really known. Because we all want to be really known. Because only when you're really known do people go deeper. And do you get better? And do you get finer? Now that said, I've said this from the beginning, we know that I know that we cannot manufacture, we cannot program, we cannot force transparency. We can't force authentic relationship, but we want, what we want to do and what we're trying to do is do everything that we can to set the table for those kinds of changes and those kinds of relationships to have a chance and to happen naturally. And the results, the fruit, It's like we talked about last week. (laughs) If you don't get on the exercise bike, what's the fruit going to be? Nothing. Not going to have any. But the results are this. Real people, real friends, real change. Transformation. Real people. No more pretending. I may be able to pretend in rows... I may be able to pretend when I get out the van. I may, be, I may pretend when I'm trying to put my church face on in here on Sunday mornings. But in a connect group, in a circle, in that face-to-face time over coffee or lunch, there's, there's no more pretending. There's real people, real friends. Because you can't have a genuine relationship until you become genuine. Real change. You don't change until you face where you are and who you are. And that's the power of the circle. That's the power of the church. Can I just say it again? We need each other. We need each other. And when we talk about groups, we spent about 15 minutes last week talking about what that will look like here at Destiny at the beginning of last week's message. I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that if you weren't here. In a nutshell, connect groups will meet at least once a month, sometimes weekly, 
whatever that pattern is, we're going we're to have a regular established pattern for those groups. And generally through, through our seasons, what we're, what we're going to call semesters, January through May, the summer months, which will look different around here because of our community. It's going to look like camping and picnics and barbecues during the summer, which is amazing. That's awesome. Champion that. Um, and then the fall semester. During those times, there's a discussion, there's a focus or an activity. There's prayer. Maybe there's worship. And I'm telling you, as, as much as I like to preach and as clear as I try to be, sometimes it's not until you ask the difficult questions and you are asked the difficult questions that a sermon really becomes meaningful in your individual life. And so what's talked about or on here in a platform all of a sudden gets real when you are able to discuss it and, and say, well, yeah, this is what's happening in my life this week in context of what was shared. I need help. I need somebody to carry my burden with me. So we, wanna, we, we make discussion questions available from every weekend service here at Destiny so you can go deeper that way if you want. But the, the groups will meet and they'll do their thing. They'll pray together. They'll tell the stories together. And then, of course, they'll probably, many of your groups will probably do some eating together. We like to eat around here. <laughs> we have couples groups. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have mixed groups. We have an entrepreneurial group. We have a parents group. We have a new believers foundations class. We have a budgeting financing class. Because we really do believe, have you, as you've heard me say many times the past couple of weeks at Circles, really are better than rose when it comes to the fruit in your life. At the beginning of each semester, our hope is to provide new groups and classes and opportunities to connect and new chances for you to say, are these my people? Are these the people that I'm going to be face to face with? You know, and you might, <laughs> that's, that's the good thing about seasons because we all have seasons in our life, right? And so you might, you might be in a new believers class for this season, and you might step into a more deeper um, connect group experience in the next season. That's, that's why we, I, I want to provide those opportunities for you to, to step into a, a different groups or classes for a season. So we created this online directory. It's a, you, you can see it if you pull out the insert on the opposite side of the insert uh, with the birthday party information. Um, we created the online directory um, where you can browse and you can filter your search by, by gender, geographic location, how often the group meets, if they offer childcare, if they offer food. So that, that insert is just a, another um, thing for you to take home. And I want you to look at that this week and I want you to pray about, am I supposed to step into? I'm, I'm encouraging you as your pastor, don't be alone. Get in a face-to-face -face situation, whether, whether it is that you're an introvert and your connect group, you know, your, your thing is meeting somebody with coffee once a month, go at it, fine, that's awesome. But get face-to-face, -face. and we're going to provide, we're going to set the table in every opportunity for you to step in. If you're a young entrepreneur, I want you to step into that group. If you're a, a, a parent, I want you to step into that group. If you're a married couple, <laughs> step into that group. I'm going to challenge you. Just like the, the, the exercise machine that we talked about last week. Well, I don't have time, right? And our exercise machine becomes a gently used item that gets put up for sale with no fruit. Here's something that I'm challenging you to step into 
and see some fruit in your life to come to the full potential of everything that God's called you to be because it's so easy to just get content and get comfortable when we're sitting in rows. My hope is that you'll plug into a group or a class or with some people that you know, some people that you may not know, and some that you will be so glad that you met. And they will become, in some cases, I pray, your dearest and closest friends. Regardless, we want everybody in our church, in our community, to be in community. Because we believe that that's where the real stuff happens. Now I'll recap and I'll say this again quick. The imaginary you, the, the image you've made of yourself does not have time to be in a group. I know that. But the real you may be dying for this. You're... Your marriage may be dying for this. And everybody here thinks that you're doing okay, but you know that for real, that you're not. So somebody needs to know that. And you're wondering, well, I don't know why I'm struggling. You know, we've got all this stuff going on and nobody else knows your real story. You need a place to tell your real story. Everybody looks at you because they only see you in an environment like this or at work or they're in your, maybe in your neighborhood walking and they think, well, they're so cute and they've got it all together. <laughs> and everybody thinks you're living some kind of wrinkle-free life. And the truth is you desperately need an iron. <laughs> <laughs> so we want you in a circle where you can get some stuff ironed out. <laughs> and listen. Why don't you stand with me? <coughs> the value of group life goes beyond what happens in your life. And it goes beyond what happens in the lives of other people in your group. The value of group life reaches into the next generation. That's why we don't want to miss this. You want to be known for something. Absolutely, we want to be known for something. And the truth is, you're already known for something. But we want you to be known by some someones. You're already known for something, but are you known by anyone? Some someones. Are you truly known? Does anybody really know what's going on in your relationships? Does anybody really know what's going on financially? Does anybody really know what's going on between you and your kids? Does anybody really know what's happening in your marriage? The truth is, we know who you're doing image management with, but who are you doing life with? And I understand this. Believe me, I understand this. The culture says, protect the image, protect the image, protect the image. And Jesus says, I want you to come out from behind the image. Jesus says, I, I want you to come out into the open, not just with anybody, but with my body, with my people. There's a safe place. And if you will get real, I will become more real to you. More real than you've ever imagined. 
because our transparency, our transparency translates into humility and that becomes an invitation for your heavenly father to show up in an unimaginable and real way in your life. Jesus says, drop the image and allow me to go to work on you. And how? It's through the one and others around you. The church. Not, not big church, circle church. Face-to-face -face church. Church, church. <laughs> so I hope, I hope you take that insert. I hope you go to our online directory. I hope you download that app. I want you to at least consider, pray about it. Consider becoming a part of a connect group or a class. There, there's a whole bunch of them. I think we're up, up to 10 connect groups right now, launching next month, five different classes, if I'm remembering right. That's when the church really becomes the church, when we get together face to face and we become known. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I don't know what else to say. Lord, just move on us, your church, your people. Move on our hearts. Lord, and do what only you can do when your church becomes real. When your church drops the mask, when your church gathers together, and shares stories, and opens up their hearts, and pours out, and carries each other's burdens, and becomes known. Lord, I pray that it transforms us, that it rewires us, that it takes us, Lord, to the next level and that the real church becomes the big church. <laughs> that your church, as we get in circles, as we get face to face, as we cry and laugh and share food, and as we gather around living rooms and classrooms and tables, Lord, I pray pray that you'll strengthen us, you'll bind us together. There's a word given to me last night as I came into the parking lot from a, a friend that went with us on a district trip this weekend, and he said, he said, Pastor, you're the shepherd. He said, we're your sheep. He said, you, your job is to, to, to pastor the to, to, to direct and to protect and to give direction to the sheep, Lord, uh, Pastor Sean. But it's our job, the sheep, to make more sheep. <laughs> so I pray, Lord, that as we get together, as we gather together, Lord, you'll do the miraculous, Lord, that you'll bring more sheep that will see more people that come to know who you really are in their lives in Jesus name we pray amen and amen
Amen. Amen. I, I hope I hope that feels like an encouragement and also a challenge. <laughs> Let's do this thing together. Amen. Because we are so much better together.